Thanks so much, Emma. Um, we're just being a little confusing today. You might have thought that that was the beginning of communion, but we're actually saving communion till the end of the service today, just to be a little bit different. So uh, I heard some of those cups rustling. So, you know, you're just going to have to hold on to that now <laughs> until the end of the service. Great. Well, um, it's wonderful to be here with you all today and people are joining us from home too. Uh, yeah, great to be able to gather this morning. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Emily. I'm one of the pastors here. And I have been here at Rivers now uh, for just over one year, just over 12 months. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it fi- it fi- in some ways, it feels like that's gone really, really fast. In other ways, I kind of feel like I've been here for a long, long time. So it's pretty cool. Um, I actually, before that though, I've been in ministry this year, eight years all up, so I started pretty young. Uh, I've been around churches and in ministry in lots of different roles for the last eight years. Um, and uh, one thing I know for sure, one thing I've learned for sure, there's, there's many things that I thought I knew at the start of that time that have been well and truly challenged um, since then, but there is one thing I know for absolute certain about the church, one thing I've come to see again and again and again And that is that, you might have noticed this too, Christians, the church, we love to eat. We love to eat. Eating is such an important part of what we do in church. Uh, Amen, yes, thank you, yeah. Um, If there is a meeting on, usually we'll eat. If there is some kind of Bible study or small group gathering, usually we'll eat. If there's any kind of ministry or or other type of gathering, a celebration, We'll eat. Um, in fact, every time we come here on a Sunday, uh, we'll, we'll worship, we'll have communion, we'll listen to a message, and we'll eat. Um, it is such an important part of what we do. Um, I know for a fact that kitchen right there is a hive of activity every week here at Rivers. Nearly every day we have ministries happening here, um, and pretty much every single one of those has got some kind of food or tea and coffee or something happening. Um, So food and eating is so important to ministry as well. I can honestly say as well that um, of the churches that I've been a part of in my time, of the churches I've visited in my time, there is nobody There is not one church that does a morning tea like Rivers. I can say this wholeheartedly, um, that our morning tea is something else. So uh, we thank you to the people who prepare that every week because um, it's pretty amazing. And if, if, you, if you don't, aren't aware of that, usually when you go to another church, you get an arrowroot biscuit. That's pretty much it for morning tea. So, um, so we do pretty well here at Rivers, I think. Eating is such a huge part of church life. Um, food is such a big part of what we do, uh, and I think, I think we know that it's more than just because we like sugar, it's more than just because we like to eat. Uh, we know that there's something special about sharing food together, isn't there? There's something special about when you sit down for a meal together, it's inviting somebody to come um, and to, to, to sit with you and to talk with you, to celebrate or reminisce or get to know each other. Food is such an important part of community and creating community, isn't it? The great news today um, is that there is a very clear biblical precedent for this. Food is so important in the Bible as well. Eating is all the way through the Bible. It's a really um, big theme. And I think that that is great news for us. That is excellent news for us who love to eat. Um, We're in this series at the moment. Uh, series on being devoted followers of Jesus. And in particular, we're looking at how we do that together as community, community being a key part um, of this series. Um, 
and we're looking, Emma read out before the, the passage in Acts 2, so we're, we're specifically honing in on that, and these four key practices that the early church um, pr- practiced, there's four essential things that they practiced as part of being the early church, and you know, God, God grew them and add to their numbers daily, as we know. So these four things, um, and so far we've looked at the apostles' teaching, and, and last week we looked at fellowship and community, and, um, and this week, and I think it's amazing that one of the four key elements of church, the early church, is the breaking of bread, is eating. I think that's a fantastic thing. Um, So when I knew that I was going to get to preach on this, this was a topic I had, breaking of bread, I thought that's going to be so easy. I love that I get that topic. I don't think I have to do much convincing that we, you know, church, we should just eat together. How good is that? I think think we've already ticked that box well and truly. Uh, That the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us to eat carbs. I think that's great. So, while the whole, uh, this, this idea of breaking of bread uh, is so important, here's our passage, the whole, this idea of breaking of bread, you know, it, it's so important, um, it's an absolutely important part of church life. As I looked into this this, this week, as I looked into what does this idea of breaking of bread means, what, is, what does it mean? Um, as so often happens with the Bible, uh, when you look beyond just the face value, there's often something deeper and richer in there, isn't there? Um, and that's certainly what I've come to discover this past couple of weeks, that, that actually there's a lot more to this idea um, of breaking and bread and, and, and being in community with each other and with God. So as I said before, meals are a recurring theme through the Bible. We see food and and sharing in meals all the way through Scripture. Not only are meals literally a source of life and literally a source of sustenance to our bodies, but there's often rich symbolic meaning around meals as well in Scripture. Um, In fact, meals is often where we see that God's promises uh, are given and received is, is through, through shared meals. Um, there's often an invitation from God to partake in a meal and in his goodness and in his life and in his love as well. So the very first meal we see is right at the start. Um, humanity in the Garden of Eden is invited to its first meal, which is fruit uh, from the garden and from the tree of life. Um, the tree of life being the life that only God gives. Um, and so here we see the very first meal being one that establishes the life that God gives his creation, um, and which is this unbroken connection and, and, uh, to the source of life at this point. The first meal. Very shortly after this, we see another meal that shatters um, this relationship between humanity and God. It was partaking in a meal that saw humanity cast out of God's presence um, in these early chapters of the Bible. So meals were important, like right from the start. From here, we sort of track with the story of Israel through the Old Testament, and we see that there's a constant theme of meals and celebrations, and it's just a part of life of Israel. It's a part of their rhythm of life. It is through meals that Israel is reminded of God's covenant with them and God's faithfulness to them. And they celebrated, you know, many symbolic meals as part of their rhythm, the the Passover feast, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of trumpets, the the feast of the tabernacle, etc., etc. Feasts and meals are an important part of the rhythm of life for Israel. They engaged the people of God through their senses, through smell, through touch, through taste, and in this way they experienced the promises of God. So once again, we see that uh, this idea of meals, of sharing in meals, it's an invitation from God to share in life, 
That's what we see in Scripture, an invitation to share in the life of God, to remember the goodness of God through meals. In Isaiah chapter 25, uh, we see a promise is made, a prophecy is made that one day humanity would be fully restored, that God would establish a new covenant with humanity and that humanity would be invited to a new meal. It says that on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. An invitation to a meal, an invitation to new life that God promises. So I I hope that you're gaining this picture that there's this rich symbolism of meals like all the way through scripture. I think that's an important thing to grasp today. Um, That is this meal is an invitation to share in God's covenant, to share in his promises, um, to receive his love and receive his grace. And of course, you can probably guess, we see this continue in Jesus' ministry as well. When Jesus comes, uh, we know that Jesus shared many, many meals with people. Um, in fact, Jesus often, he, he performed miracles with meals um, when he fed the crowds, for example. Again, you know, pointing to this new life and to this, this covenant that Jesus is here to bring. Um, and he, he invites his followers to partake in this new life by referring to himself as the meal, you know, that his, his flesh and his blood um, is where that life is found, that actually Jesus is the new tree of life, really, um, that the new source of life. And again, we see this symbolism of, of Jesus being the meal, and it once again points to this invitation of life and to grace that comes through Jesus. And finally as well, at the Last Supper, um, and Emma read this out just before, a new covenant. Jesus establishes a new covenant. Uh, and again, it's established with a meal. Uh, as they continue to celebrate, and we, and we partake in this every week, even still here at Rivers, we still partake in this meal. It's a meal to remember that Jesus went to the cross, and in doing so, he fulfilled God's promise to restore humanity, to bring new life. And so we celebrate the Lord's Supper to remember that life. Again, there's that invitation to life that we find in Jesus. So meals hold really rich meaning all through Scripture. Um, And the story of God and the story of humanity, meals are highly symbolic. Being invited to share in a meal is to share in the life that God gives and to eat from the tree of life once again. So we now arrive at the commencement of the church, which we're talking about today. Um, And so it is no mistake, actually, that sharing in meals together is listed as one of these four elements of, of church life. Of course, we know um, that this idea of breaking bread together is incredibly rich with meaning and symbolism um, as we look back and see how important meals are in Scripture. Meals are an invitation to life. They represent the provision of God. They represent this covenant between God and man, grace and restoration through Jesus. And here, we see that breaking bread together, that sharing in meals together, and actually, that's what it's referring to, this covenant that we all share in, this covenant that's established by Jesus, but that we are in covenant community, this breaking bread together, that we are in covenant community, that we are devoted to one another. 
So breaking bread refers to the way that we go about community with each other, that the church seeks to reflect the way of Jesus, um, the way that we love one another, the way that we have grace for each other just in the way that Jesus did. So Sam talked last week about this idea of the koinonia, this Greek word um, that sort of it, it encapsulates and, and sums up the unique communion that Christians share with God and with, with each other, the koinonia. And this is a really central um, idea to the way that the church is designed to be. This idea that Christian community is life-giving community. Remember that invitation to life, life-giving community. That Christian community is a devoted covenant community which means that we're enduring and we're robust in our nature. Um, Christian community shares in the life of of God and with each other. And Christian community is marked by grace, the koinonia. So the church is a community of people who are committed to breaking bread with one another in all of the fullness of what that means. A church that breaks bread bread together means that we are a devoted community, a covenant community who are marked by grace. A covenant community who are marked by grace. So I thought this morning it might be helpful uh, to just talk really practically about what this looks like. What What does this look like to be a covenant community, a devoted community that is marked by grace? If we really stop and consider, what does that look like today in a, you know, an on-the-ground sense? Um, because really these ideas are incredibly countercultural. They're incredibly radical, really. We live um, in a very hyper-individualistic culture, hyper-individualistic culture, where you know, my top priority is me. Uh, whatever makes me feel good, I'm going to take the path of least resistance, probably, that's going to cause me the least strife. You know, I'm going to form relationships and community with people who just kind of look like me and they think like me and they sound like me and they just sort of make me feel the way I want to feel. Mostly my life is about me and maybe those people in my little tribe as well, this hyper-individualistic culture. And yet, the call on the church and the call on Christians is to be so very different to that. Um, is to be deeply devoted, not to myself, but to the other. To be in a covenant community marked by grace is to be deeply countercultural in that my focus and our focus is not on me, but on the other, no matter who that other is. So a devoted covenant community that is marked by grace, first of all, is robust. We are robust. A covenant community is robust. It isn't fragile. So it, you know, it doesn't, and, and it shouldn't, it sort of in the way of the world does. It doesn't form only around social circles and you know, people we like or people we look like and people who we agree with. It's actually so much deeper and richer than this. Otherwise, really, the church may as well be any other social club or group, really. No, we are a covenant community. We are marked by grace. Church community is robust. Church community is diverse. People can disagree within covenant community and still be welcome at the table, still participate fully in community. We see this, actually, in the early church, right? 
they faced so many challenges. There was so much um, that was still not mapped out for them. It was this brand new movement. All of these things today that I think we just sort of know and sort of take for granted are part of what it is to be the church. They didn't know yet. They're still working it all out, you know, right at the start. Um, And so notably, we see this disagreement. uh, It's recorded in Galatians between Peter and Paul right at the start, and they're talking, trying to work out, is this a movement like for the Jews, or are we going to extend this to the Gentiles? Who's going to be included here? And this sort of disagreement takes place, this conflict takes place between them. Um, this is, and that's just one example of many as well, many in the, in the history of the church, in the early church. I think it's really important to note and to understand that people who engage with and share in the life of God together who are in covenant community marked by grace, we're able to disagree. We don't always need to have the same opinions. We don't always need to look or think the same because covenant community is robust. It's diverse. And in this way, we can sharpen one another. But at the end of the day, we all still come back to that same table. We come back and we break bread together and we are united by our God who gives us life. The church, in this way, is called to be so different from the way of the world. The second thing is that covenant communities marked by grace are called to be radically inclusive. We welcome everybody to our table. Um, And I think that this is also what sets the church apart, or or should set the church apart. Our community exists because of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is one of radical inclusivity. There is just simply no way around that. We see this constantly through the Gospels as Jesus touches unclean people and he eats with sinners and he talks with those that the rest of society have deemed unworthy to be in community. Jesus invites them in. He touches them. He eats with them. He defends them even. He shares stories where they are the the hero of the story. Um, all are welcome at the table with Jesus. And the same goes for his church. A covenant community that is marked by grace is robust. It's sharpening. We sharpen one another. It's also warm and it's inclusive. And this is what it means to break bread together. So this morning, um, I wonder if it would be helpful for a moment to consider um, our own experiences of community. If we think back over our own lives and our own experiences that we've had of community within the church, um, and I'm sure there's mixed experiences. Um, Actually, just yesterday, we were on a a retreat with the leaders in our church, pastors, deacons, um, elders, and one theme that just came up so constantly was this idea of rivers being a family. It's such a warm family, and that's certainly um, been, been my experience as well. But still, I think it's helpful if we, if we stop and we consider what is your experience um, of community, maybe here or maybe in other churches, and I'm sure there's a mix. Um, perhaps there's been times when you've experienced this deep and warm and robust community that the church can be. And perhaps there's other times or there's others of us who have experienced at times even frustration or disappointment or, or loneliness within the church community. And I think that we are all aware that both of these things can be true. Um, Sometimes we get it really, really right, and sometimes we don't. So for me, uh, personally, 
I am somebody who naturally, just, just the way that I'm wired, I, I sometimes prefer to keep to myself a little bit, but particularly around stressful times, particularly when things are difficult or hard, uh, would be my tendency to maybe try and keep to myself and just, you know, steady myself and carry on. That's, that's kind of my tendency. But I can remember some times in my life, some really difficult, some really stressful times. There was illness in my family and having this just incredible experience of my church community coming around me and coming around my family um, and just experiencing this incredible warmth, this incredible family around me and kind of forcing me to have to be cared for even though it was sort of not my natural tendency. And I remember that time as such a beautiful time, a powerful experience of community. Even actually just arriving here at Rivers, you know, 12 months ago, um, and there was a fair bit of uncertainty going on, you know, in, in life at that time. The same week that I uh, was offered and accepted the role here at Rivers, that same week my mum was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and sort of life was changed, and uh, she had to move away from, she was living by herself, and, and came and, and moved in with my sister and, and I so that we could help support her, and that was all happening while I was starting in this new role here in this, in this new church, and yet the... Um, the welcome and the support that I've experienced, you know, in that time. And I'm a newbie, you know, you didn't know me from a bar of soap, but the, the support and the welcome has been incredible, powerful, you know, beautiful. It's amazing. And as with many of you, I'm sure, I've also had times or experienced times when community has been difficult as well. Um, for me, uh, this is my, my story, that being a single person um, in the church, a, a single person in ministry, and I have been for quite a number of years, that can be quite isolating, even lonely at times. I'm sure you've noticed that church um, is often built around families. You know, I know that full well. I've kids pastor and youth pastor, family pastor. Church is often built around families. So for a single person, there's been times I've felt a little left out or a little forgotten, um, maybe just because my life has looked a little different to other people within the church. And that's just my story this morning. Um, but I wonder what your story is. I wonder what your experiences of community are. I'm sure that there are many who have had rich and loving and, I hope, <laughs> life-giving experiences. And I'm sure there's others who have had difficult or frustrating experiences you felt let down even by church community. I guess this morning I just think that it's important that we're, we're, we're able to gather up all of those things and all of those experiences while, while we're thinking about what it is to be in church community. Let's gather up these experiences we've had, let's hold them up to the light, let's recognize them and let's allow them to be a part of our story, especially while we consider how we can be community going forward, a community marked by grace. When are the times that you've experienced incredible, powerful, amazing community? And how can you be that for others? When are the times you felt let down or unseen? And how can we prevent that from happening to others? This kind of community that we're talking about today, um, it's not something that happens by accident, is it? It doesn't just magically happen this kind of community, covenant community marked by grace is something we need to be intentional about. It's something that we learn to do and it's something we learn to get better at as well. Otherwise, I think our natural tendency, the natural pull 
will be to kind of go in that way of culture, that individualistic kind of road and sort of choose, you know, I'm just going to look after me and I'm just going to stick with the people I like. And we become like any other social club or group or whatever. Communities of grace. Communities that follow the lead of Jesus, the one by whom and for whom our community started in the first place, means that we intentionally work to become community that honors his life and his ways. A covenant community marked by grace is deeply countercultural, it's loving, it's inclusive, it's robust, and it reflects Jesus' kingdom. So, really practically, this morning, I, I wonder um, what are the steps that, that we could each take? What are the things that maybe come to mind for us so that we could uh, intentionally participate and build, continue to build, you know, this type of community? So in what way can each of us be deeply inclusive in the way that we approach our church here at Rivers? Who needs including right now? Who needs including? How can we be countercultural in the way that we think about others here at Rivers, um, especially those that maybe our culture, you know, marginalizes in some way, maybe because of their background or because of their issues or, or whatever else? How can we, the church, as a covenant community that is marked by grace, how are we inviting those people to our table? And right here in our community, how can, in, in our church community, in our wider community, how can we make sure that we're caring for the struggling, for the lonely, or for the downcast? A church that breaks bread together is a church that honors Jesus by being deeply devoted to one another. Our actions are marked by grace. We are robust and we are radically inclusive. So what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to take a moment to reflect on this by sharing in a meal in communion together. So Dave's going to come up um, in just a moment and lead that. Um, let me pray before we do that. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness to us, your promises to us, the life that you've given us. Thank you, God, just for the symbolism of, of meals and that it is through meals, all through Scripture, that we are able to partake in your life. God, as we consider what it means to be a community that break breads, breaks bread together, um, what it is to be a covenant community, to be people marked by grace, God, I just pray for really practical ways that we can seek to be even more inclusive and even more family for each other, God even more people of grace for those in our community. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, uh, just for your faithfulness to us and your grace towards us. In Jesus' name, amen.